T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai studio, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. This is Chicago's number one and most listened to sports station. 670 The Score is Chicago Sports. Chicago Sports is The Score. WSCR and HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The Score! Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation, as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction, starring score baseball insider Bruce Levine and half of Chicago's number one sports morning show, David Haw, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, and always live on the free Odyssey app, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Good Saturday morning, Chicago. Welcome back inside the clubhouse right here at 670 The Score and your free Odyssey app broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score Studios. I am David Haw, along with Bruce Levine, talking baseball again until 11 o'clock, doing our first show of 2023. No more waiting till next year, Bruce, because next year is here. Good morning. Happy 2023 to you, David, and all of our great Chicago baseball fan listeners and all across the country who listen to uh, this show. And we are uh, gratified by all of that. Uh, Now uh, going into just another year of baseball talk every Saturday, 52 weeks out of the year. Last year, only 51, right, David? Uh, uh, (laughs) Amen, Bruce. And you say gratified. I'm gratified to take a two-hour interruption and pause from talking about Justin Fields and the Bears. Yeah, Justin Fields, the greatest running quarterback in the the history of the NFL. We can do a segment on uh, on that, whether or not he's going to be traded because of the fact that he's either or not in the in the Bears' mind, he's he's either a uh, a flanker or wide receiver or a kick returner. So. None of the above, Bruce. Let's take a pause from that. We'll get phone calls other ways because we want to talk to you, the audience. We have a lot going on this week. We'll recap the biggest moves, Bruce. And we also have the Cubs convention next Friday. It kicks off. We want to get people involved. What are you looking forward to in going to the Cubs convention? And if you're a Sox fan, how disappointed are you that your team doesn't have one? And do you understand the reasons why they have been expressed? 312-644-6767. Yeah, it's the first uh, convention uh, since uh, the Cubs convention in 2020, I believe. Uh, or did we not have that one? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm thinking back. It might be 2019, the last one, because of COVID. And uh, that has uh, 
really changed the dynamic of the offseason for both teams who usually gear up, uh, you know, as far as the momentum towards spring training, the momentum toward the baseball season. And, you know, we go back to when uh, when this was created by uh, John McDonough and Jay Blunk back in uh, 1985, the first uh, fan fest ever uh, was created by uh, those two guys uh, back at that time. And uh, it was the original idea of a guy by the name of Jeff Odenwald, who was a, a marketing guy for the Cubs and, and, the, and uh, was taken a step further. And that became the first ever fan fest. And, you know, we see where all the teams go with, for now. But I guess the question today, David, is, uh, is it more prudent to have one or not have one as the Cubs are going to have their convention next week? And the White Sox, uh, from the beginning in the offseason, said that, uh, out of concern for COVID and that returning and uh, worries about super spreading, they were not going to have theirs uh, this year. So those are peripheral issues, I think, worth discussing and getting your input from 312-644-6767. Bruce, on the field, there was news this week, the first one of the year, a lot of teams catching up and introducing free agents to Sox. Uh, I think let's start right there because the biggest news I think this week in Chicago baseball was the introduction of the most expensive free agent in White Sox history. Andrew Benintendi was introduced to 35th and Shields. He will wear number 23, not as an ode to Jermaine Dye or a slight to Ryan Sandberg, Michael Jordan, or Devin Hester. He will wear 23 because his sister wore 32 when he wanted to transpose the numbers. I like that story. He made a good, strong first impression, Bruce. What did you hear from the press conference that made you um, either encouraged or that you something that you didn't know before? Well, first and foremost, uh, the relationship between Grafal and Benatendi. Uh, having been in Kansas City together, having a, a mutual respect for each other, and uh, the White Sox, you know, counting on uh, Grafal's advice as well, although... They admitted during the press conference and the day before when uh, Rick Hahn had his meeting with the media that, uh, indeed, the White Sox had been chasing Benintendi in many different forms, including the draft going back years. So from from all of that, David, I I got the idea that uh, we weren't looking at a left-handed hitting outfielder like Benintendi initially. I think we mentioned it about a month ago, and we kept talking about it a little bit, that he made sense for the White Sox. But... People were looking for more slug-type left-handed hitter for the White Sox, and uh, the White Sox reversed it. Now, now they have a, a guy that can bat anywhere in the order, in the top of the order, and be more of that on-base percentage guy uh, that has been missing at the top. Uh, you know, Anderson gets all of his on-base percentage from his batting average. He doesn't walk. So now that gives uh, Grafal the flexibility to bat Benintendi at the top of the order if he wants to. He can bat him first, second, Ideally, uh, you know, maybe fifth, sixth, uh, anywhere that uh, he feels it works on a given day. And having that left-handed bat with on-base percentage, I think, is a, is a different way that the White Sox are looking at uh, building their offense and, and looking at producing runs in a different way than they have over the p- past three or four years. I agree with that in terms of being a strength and an asset for Benintendi and giving him that kind giving them that kind of um, pop at the top in terms of getting on base and being a disciplined hitter. I do wonder though, Bruce, you don't overpay. You're going to overpay in free agency 
as a as a rule. But I think that when you make the kind of investment the White Sox made in Benintendi, I, I, you're making a statement. And as the offensive uh, numbers speak for themselves, but I do think this is seems like a, about a nod to defense. The White Sox have to get better in the outfield. That was one of the biggest weaknesses in terms of just overall defensive lapses that contributed to too, mu- too many losses. Benintendi shores that up and it allows people to play at their more natural positions, and this is all part of an offseason initiative. If you want to call it that, maybe that's overstating it, but I think just to improve the defense, and this is a huge step in that direction. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point, David. Run prevention is going to be so different now that there's no shifting. Okay, so you have to have true defensive players at positions. Okay, shifting, especially against left-handed hitters, uh, took away the uh, worries about people having enough range in their positions because they were bunched up and they they were limiting uh, the damage that uh, some of these left-handed hitters do. Now, with that, with no shifting, you have to have true position players all the way around, especially at second and shortstop range-wise. And especially in uh, in in right field, I, I think Colas is going to be the first guy they turn to over there. But Benintendi, as you said, David, can play all the positions. I'm not so sure. I'm worried about this contract being the uh, highest free agent contract in the history of the White Sox because if you go back nine years now, almost ten, uh, the White Sox signed Jose Abreu to a $68 million contract. And if you look at money now compared to that, that was their biggest contract ever at that point. When you look at this contract at $75 million 10 years later, you see, well, that's only an average of $15 million a year for five years. It's relative chump change, David, right now paying him. I mean, the Cubs are going to have a center fielder that hits uh, 200 and hit 16 and drove in 66, that's going to make more money in 2023 than Benintendi is going to make. Bruce, I know it's been a long week for me, but but I, I do th- still think that when I count on my hands, f- fingers, and toes, 75 is still greater than 68, correct? Ten years later, but I, the I'm value not factoring of the, in inflation. Dollar? I'm not factoring in the the cost of living increases on the south side. I'm just looking at numbers, and the numbers tell me that Benintendi is the richest contract in White Sox free agent history. Correct? Yeah, and and which what was uh, what was the one before that? That was only a couple of years ago, and it was Grandal. Grandal. Yeah. Right. So, the richest contracts in history for most teams, like the Mets and Giants, who uh, almost <laughs> yeah, gave three hundred million dollars to Correa. Um, Usually goes to superstars, right? Exactly. Uh, That's what makes this one very interesting. Yeah. In the case of the White Sox, they have their superstars in their mind locked up to uh, free agent contracts from from years ago with, uh, you know, Eloy and um, Anderson still being under contract and, uh, you know, Mancata being under contract, Robert. Those contracts look great right now compared to where the, the, the marketplace is going. I mean, the White, the White Sox have that money spread out much, much, much more than many teams with star players because they were ahead of this crunch that took everything from $15 million to $30 million within a few short years. 
That's a good point, Bruce. And speaking of role players, let's switch the topics to the Cubs. They were busy this week as well, introducing their new defensive-minded catcher, Austin Barnhart, and you look at also Eric Hosmer. I don't think they introduced him this week, but that certainly was announced. Hosmer and Barnhart. Barnhart is, is the catcher behind the plate, the former Red and Tiger, um, staying in the Midwest. And it sounds like, Bruce, we talked about the compliment to Jan Gomes. They're going to split duties, and we when we you talk about a commitment to defense, how strong does that now make the Cubs up the middle? Well, it remains to be seen about Barnard. He had his worst defensive year last year of his career. Um, he was a negative in, uh, <clears throat> in runs saved uh, at his position after being a gold glover uh, two years in a row. But, you know, during his press conference, David, he admitted that he learned a lot from a, a year where he was not a good player and that um, he feels that he's learned and he's going to be a better player this year. But you're right, the split... Uh, from what they talked about, is going to be 50-50 with him and Gomes. And that, I think that gives a lot of comfort to uh, Jed Hoyer and David uh, Ross and, and the Chicago Cubs that they're going to have good, two good defenders that know what fingers to put down in their mind and that they're going to be a strength to this team. And as Barnard said, David, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't want the pitchers to think about who's behind there because he feels that whether it's him – or Gomes, it's going to be seamless the way the games are going to be called and the way the, the defense is going to set up behind the plate. And I aired, I called him Austin. I think his, uh, I made that mistake. His name is Tucker Barnhart, of course, and I was thinking of somebody else. And I should know that, Bruce, because he is an Indiana native, and I have memorized the names and backgrounds of all Indiana natives in the major leagues. He's a Brownsburg, Indiana native, and he has – uh, come up through uh, Major League Baseball and, and uh, acquitted himself well for all the Hoosiers that are proud of him. 312-644-6767. The conventions are no conventions, no Sox Fest this year. Cub convention next week. Your thoughts on that? 312-644-6767 on anything baseball that David and I will be talking about. They're always open to you on Inside the Clubhouse. Before we get out to the score listener line, Bruce, I want to ask you one question. The Hosmer addition, what does that do to the Trey Mancini possibility? Well, I, I think it limits it. They're different players in the sense that one's a left-hander, one's a right-hander. Uh, Hosmer exclusively a first baseman. Mancini can play uh, different positions. Uh, but, you know, as we heard, there are conversations with Mancini uh, broke down over the contract costs. Uh, apparently, the Cubs felt they were asking for too much. In the case of Hosmer right now, <clears throat> excuse me, David. Uh, in the case of Hosmer, you have a, a veteran first baseman that gives you a lot of protection for uh, Matt Mervis, who they want to bring up and try to put on the 26-man roster going into the regular season. Mervis a first baseman, DH. But here's the thing that I'm most concerned about. In Mervis's case, regardless of whether it's at AAA, David, or DH or first base for the Cubs, he has to play every day. He's a young player. He cannot sit on the bench. So if David Ross cannot figure out a situation where Hosmer uh, doesn't impact Mervis's at-bats, uh, he can be a, a DH against right-handers. He can play first base. 
but there's no moving Hosmer to another position. There's no talk about Mervis playing any other position. So at bats for Mervis are my number one concern going into the year, considering what he did in the minor leagues. And we're going to talk to Jared Banner, who is the director of the minor leagues for the Chicago Cubs, in our next segment about Mervis and the plan going forward. So I, I we'll be interested to hear from him about that. But, but again, uh, I think having Hosmer, David, is a no-lose situation. If he doesn't have anything left, you know, you say farewell. If he does, he brings an awful lot to the team on the field and a tremendous amount of leadership and ability to comport yourself as a professional player from his previous stops in Kansas City and San Diego. Jared Banner, the Cubs vice president in charge of player development, joins us at the bottom of the hour. Next hour, we're going to play chin music and a little Chicago bound, some of our favorite segments. But right now, it's your turn. The score listener line is powered by BetQL. Bet smarter, beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Let's go out to Mike and Glencoe. Good morning, Mike. Welcome inside the clubhouse. Good morning, fellas. Happy uh, Saturday and great to be talking baseball with you. Bruce, as to your first question about uh, Sox Fest and the decision to cancel, that was just cowardice. There's just no way to get around it. They did not want to face the fans. I don't buy, and I don't think anybody buys the health argument, even though it would make sense under normal circumstances. My particular question to you is that uh, I was very interested to see Han acknowledging, uh, at least indirectly, that second and right remain concerns and that they're going to try and address them. Um, But my question is, how badly are the Sox hobbled by their very limited farm system? Uh, It seems that they, they have years of gaps in the development process. They invested, as you know, heavily in uh, in high school pitching, and that seems to have blown up in their face. Now, are they aware, do they believe that they have a problem, or, or am I just seeing something that doesn't exist here? Thanks, yeah, Mike. Yeah, you know, again, uh, and, and thanks for your call, uh, Mike. It's always uh, good to hear from you. David, I'll throw it to you. Uh, they missed out on two Oakland pitchers uh, last year. They missed out on an Oakland catcher this year because they weren't able to match up to what uh, expectations were for Oakland. Now, that doesn't make the the White Sox farm system bad. What it does, it makes it a a bit limited, and Oakland is always looking for multiple prospects in any trade because that's how they roll. They they roll with uh, guys get to arbitration and they get rid of them. Uh, That that was the case with Murphy, the catcher who ends up in Atlanta and signing a long-term deal there. So that doesn't make the White Sox system necessarily bad, but it, it, it has uh, hampered them from making deals with Oakland uh, that they had players that the White Sox were definitely interested in and not able to pull the trigger. Bruce, those players from the A's were the car the White Sox couldn't afford. And we, you, you drive by a lot and you see something that, boy, that would look, look good in my driveway. And then you look at your bank account and you think, well, I can't, I can't manage that. And, and when the White Sox were shopping for Frankie Montas and Sean Manaya and they were looking at Sean Murphy, boy, they would have looked great on the south side. And then they looked at their farm system, as Mike points out correctly, and they just didn't have the assets to be able to pull that off because the A's wanted more. And who could blame them because they got more? You look at the Braves with the haul they gave up for Sean Murphy. You look at what the Yankees gave up for Montas, and I think that, yes, that is a valid point that has limited the White Sox in terms of their ability to acquire major league talent to get them back into the position where 
they don't have as many weaknesses as we saw exposed and exploited during uh, the regular season, a disappointing year in 2022. Let's squeeze in a phone call before we break. Frank is in Lombard. Good morning, Frank. Welcome inside the clubhouse. Good morning, guys. Uh, actually, yeah, I love talking to you guys on a weekend rather than during the week. Um, yeah, that was a very good call just now. Um, he's a little more technical than me. I'm a little more blunt out of pure frustration. You know, my family's had season tickets. I'm 43 since before I was born. Same section, 134, above the Sox dugout, row 17, lifelong fans, blah, blah, blah. I don't know who I want to sell the team more, the Reinsdorfs or the McCaskies. Okay, that's the point I've come to. And he hit the nail on the head, a cowardly action, something that diehard fans do look forward to. Traditions. My dad used to bring me when I was a kid. I would love to bring my nine-year-old who loves baseball to a Sox convention, but no. The fans aren't stupid. They're doing it because they don't want to face the heat. They're banking on past signings. They're banking on Mankata, who I don't care what he was praised as. I don't talk ill of anyone. He's not what he was expected to be. Thanks for the phone call, Frank. Two different things there. The Mankata disappointment we can address later, Bruce, but he is very upset. Like we heard from some Sox fans not getting the chance to go to a convention this year to air their grievances, if you will. <laughs> I, You know, again, the White Sox made their decision, I believe, before. They definitely made it before they, they hired Pedro Grafal. Okay. So uh, this was something that they made very stealthily and quickly after the regular season. Now, if you want to say that it's, you know, cowardice and they that they don't want to face the music, I don't know. Uh, you know, in the past, I think the passion from the White Sox fans and from Rick Hahn and his sessions when things weren't working right, uh, and, and Kenny Williams in his sessions when things weren't working out right, some of the beauty of what White Sox baseball has been all about. I, I, agree, I agree with that. But they've never backed away from that. Uh, they they kind of embrace that. Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn have, you know, turned into guys that, you know, they, they know they're going in into the ring uh, during the convention. They know they, they have their, their, their eight-ounce gloves on. They are ready to go head-to-head with White Sox fans and embrace the, their passion of the White Sox nation. So I don't, I don't think it has to do with that. I just don't. I, I just think that there was, they do have some trepidation about COVID coming back. The reality is COVID has come back. And if, and if you're listening out there, and I know you are, because uh, we, we have great numbers and we have great fans. The number the COVID numbers are higher. Is COVID more controllable now when it breaks out? Depending on the person, sure. Okay, I don't want to get into the doctor end of it. All I want to say is uh, the Cubs are moving forward with it. The White Sox aren't. But uh, I don't think there's cowardice when it comes to the White Sox. I've never seen it before. I've never seen them back away from facing Sox Nation. They embrace Sox Nation. As one of our loyal listeners points out via the text line, 312, the Cubs convention starts on Friday the 13th. Hope that's not a bad omen for the season ahead. So we'll continue the conversation, talking White Sox, talking Cubs, and next when we come back we'll talk Cubs player development with the vice president of player development for the Chicago Cubs, Jared Banner, right here on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. And always live on the free Odyssey app presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Yeah, I feel great about the way things are going. You know, we're, we're winning tons of games. I think we're third in the minor league in winning percentage. Uh, our prospects are, are playing really well. Um, up and down the system, we have a lot of depth. And um, I think that, you know, that'll start to come up. You know, if, if year after year we can you know, have good drafts, develop well, um, that, will, that will eventually you know, matriculate its way up to the big leagues and, and, and have a huge impact. This year, uh, we didn't quite have that, you know, that, that, that level to come up to the big leagues and help in the way we will in the future. Um, but I think pretty soon it'll be the way it was going back to 2013, 14, 15, where every year there were multiple players coming up to the big leagues and, and making a huge impact. And, you know, people should be excited to watch, um, you know, watch the minor leagues right now. Welcome back inside the clubhouse. Thank you for spending your Saturday morning with us talking baseball here. Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 to score. David Haw, Bruce Levine until 11 o'clock. And that was the voice of Jed Hoyer, the Cubs team president, August 6th, right after the trade deadline, talking about the future because it's a bright one. Bruce, in Chicago for the Cubs, this is the best they felt about their minor league system since those years that Jed Hoyer referenced, and we know what came next. When you look at the improvement, Bruce, in the Cubs front, uh, farm system, they have gone from 18th last year in terms of the MLB pipeline rankings to 10th. They are the fourth most improved farm system in baseball, according to those rankings. We're going to talk to Jared Banner, the vice president of player development, in a moment, but before we do... What's your opinion why the Cubs have been able to make those improvements in the way that they have? Well, very much like they did the first time around when Epstein and Hoyer came in in 2011 and 12. They have been tremendously impactful. They've made tremendously impactful trades, okay? And they've they've gotten really good talent. They got a bushel of talent in 2021 when they traded uh, the Bryants and the Rizzos and the Baezes. That that was a big haul, and that has 
change everything around. Not only that, uh, but the Cubs uh, should also be lauded on the fact that pitching started to come around before this. Uh, they started to develop their own pitchers for the first time in 10 years. So with that combination of starting to develop and getting really good talent from outside of the organization, I think that's where we're at right now as far as the Cubs minor league system goes. Time to go out to the scores guest hotline sponsored by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And that is where we find somebody at the center of this progress. And that is the Cubs vice president in charge of player development, Jared Banner. Good morning, Jared. Thank you for joining us. Good morning. Thank you for having me. We were talking about the rankings and how much improvement those indicate the Cubs have made. I know they are just numbers, but you talk to the people and you see and measure the, the real results. In your words, how would you describe how far your farm system, your minor league system has come in the past year? I think we're improving every day. Uh, and that's, that's our focus. That's our goal. We try not to focus much on, on the external publications, but I think they recognize the, the same thing. And, and we're really excited for what's to come this year. It's going to be a big year for us. Good morning, Jared. And uh, as we talked about multiple times during the summer after you were on last time, we're going to actually give you some time to talk about the Chicago Cubs today because uh, I think it was a short session last time. And uh, and uh, you said, hey, that's it? That's all you have for me is uh, 10 minutes? So we have, we have ample time for you today, and we appreciate you coming on. When you look at the, the minor leagues as a whole, Jared, what is different about moving players forward, or is there a difference? Because now that the minor leagues are starting to shrink as far as uh, destinations go, and, and uh, Major League Baseball has looked at the minor leagues and said, hey, uh, we, we, need, we need less teams and we need more progression of our young people, either toward a Major League career or out of baseball. What do you think has changed over the last uh, couple of years, if anything? I think eliminating short season ball has had somewhat of an impact. It's just a pretty large jump from complex baseball. You're playing during the day mostly. Uh, there aren't many fans. And then jumping to full season baseball, uh, the competition's better. Uh, there are more fans in the ballpark. There's more travel. Uh, it's just it's like going from, from high school to, to professional baseball. It can be a pretty big jump. So th that really stands out to me. Otherwise, I think it's just uh, more competition. The timeline is a, is a little shorter. You have to prove yourself um, in, in pretty short order. And uh, fewer players, fewer teams, just, a, you know, fewer opportunities um, across the board. And that's something that every team deals with. It's not just us. So, um, But our, our players are up to the challenge at, at all times. So, Jared, when you look at the players that are on the cusp of contributing to the Major League's uh, team, like Matt Mervis, uh, maybe even Brennan Davis. And then you look at maybe the differences in their paths, somebody who was drafted high and developed throughout the system, somebody who was undrafted and, and, and taken through the, the, the ranks. Are, how similar and different are, are the approaches with guys like that in terms of player development? And do you, or maybe is everything uniform and the same uh, in the approach? I, I think it's, it's the same in the sense that we try to care for each and every player equally. We want to make sure we put time and, and invest in 
every single player we bring into our, our organization. <clears throat> I think the difference is the, uh, the attention, right? I think certain players have attention on them from the, from the day they arrive, and other players are allowed to operate under the radar and don't really get the attention until they go out and hit 36 home runs, right? But um, Mervs is someone that, for example, that, that we've always really liked and we've prioritized in our organization in the sense of uh, acquiring him. And uh, we aren't quite as surprised as, as everyone else. And, and there are a lot more guys like him in the organization that, that hopefully will become household names uh, before long. Staying on that theme, uh, Jared, David and I were talking about, you know, we are uh, our, our own front office here on, uh, inside the clubhouse every Saturday. So we're projecting what the uh, – view is of Mervis and what he has to do. Do you think it's possible that he could be brought to the major league team and work in slowly? Or is this a guy that whether it's at the major league level at DH or first base or at the minor league level at AAA uh, honing his skills, he has to he has to play and he has to hit every day? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think there's always that balance, right? What's best for the major league team versus what's best for any individual player's development. And I, I can't answer that for Mervis at this time. We have to uh, see how things play out, both for, for him personally and, and for the team. But our goal is to make sure he's getting better each and every day so that when his number is called, he's ready to contribute and, and help the Cubs win games. Talking with Jared Banner, the Cubs vice president in charge of player development here on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. Okay, Jared, you know, Pete Crow Armstrong, Cubs fans could have driven 90 miles uh, east and, and seen him this past summer in South Bend. I, I know that he was close to Chicago, but how close is he to Chicago? How, how, how uh, close do you think that a guy like that who is, according to the rankings, the number one prospect in the system – and we see all kinds of examples. Maybe people are being rushed to the majors, maybe not. But it doesn't seem like the apprenticeship is as long as it used to be. Where are the Cubs with PCA? Well, like Mervis, it's very similar in the sense that we just want to prepare him for um, whatever's next and, and whatever's coming. And he's, a, he's obviously a really dynamic player. He's an unbelievable athlete. And, and most importantly, he, he works incredibly hard at his, at his craft and Guys like that, you can't put any any limits on. So um, we expect he's going to have a, a, a great season ahead, and I know he expects that of, of himself. And um, when you're playing good baseball, anything's possible, and, and the sky's the limit. Jared Banner, I guess, the vice president of minor, uh, of minor leagues for the Chicago Cubs and a guy that has a vast amount of exp experience uh in uh, major leagues as far as player personnel and minor league uh, players. With that experience in mind, Jared, you spent many years, over a dozen years, or over 10 years with Boston. You've been with the Cubs now for a while. What, what do you see that is similar about um, the Cubs and Red Sox fan bases and uh, their desire to, uh, to see their young players promoted and, and being uh, a part of their major league systems. Yeah. Two, two unbelievable fan bases. I, I'd say the thing that jumps out is just the, 
the knowledge uh, that some of our fans have. It's really incredible. Sometimes I'm on Twitter, and uh, I'm I'm really impressed that the uh, the fans are thinking right along the same lines that we are. And, and every now and again, they come up with some ideas that that you know I hadn't even thought of um, in, in many cases. So it's uh, it's wonderful to work in great baseball towns like like these, especially Chicago, and it's. It's been a pleasure uh, so far. So I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to Cubs convention coming up to uh, to be around some of the fans. Oh, I'm sure you'll hear some ideas. <laughs> They're going to want you to lead off PCA and, and bat Mervis fourth and start uh, Hayden Wesneski on on uh, opening day. I mean, the, the prospects get people <laughs> excited. You, you know that, and you see, you see the, the Cubs rankings, and, and there's, there's reasons for hope. And I think that one of the publications referred to this collection of talent as exciting in terms of youth as, as any since before the World Series run. And so that's the kind of expectations you know you're walking into this season. That's kind of the, the fun part. A couple health updates, if you will. Alex Canario, I think, has been uh, a guy coming off an injury. Brennan Davis is a guy who ran into health complications, as, as well as Ed Howard. Could you talk about those three prospects, where they are health-wise, and what that did to their development? Yeah, so Ed is uh... – He's just starting to hit in the cage. I was actually with him uh, yesterday down in Arizona. He looks great. The the hip is feeling good. So he's just in his progression. It's a, a very serious injury, but we expect him to be ready to go for the uh, beginning of spring training with, without any limitations. So we're really excited about that. And, uh, of course, missing the half a season that he missed, there's a, a little bit of time to, to make up for. But I think he is still extremely young extremely athletic uh, and he's used this time really wisely in in terms of trying to improve his game in, in other ways so um, really excited about him was just with Brennan Davis also he will he will be a full go going into camp he is just uh, working out every day building himself back up um, looks great just he was just hitting with uh, with Cody Bellinger on the field recently so um, He's awesome. And then Canario, he's a little bit behind the other two guys. He's not going to be ready to start the season. I know you guys saw his shoulder and, and leg injury that, that he suffered. They, uh, you know, they're pretty tough at surgery on both. So he, he's going to be out for a little while longer. Jared, philosophically, the dumbing down of offense in Major League Baseball, does that change the way that you look at whether players are ready or not? for the major leagues for your minor league players? In other words, when you sit down with the rest of the front office and you say, look, we might have a Pete Crow Armstrong. He, he might not be ready offensively, but defensively he's as good as what we have. Base running wise and uh, maturity, he's ready for the major leagues. Even uh, if he hits 230 or 240, that's league average. Can, should we promote him to the major leagues? I'm wondering if, if that's part of a philosophical change now that um, hitting for average is not really the uh, end-all and be-all to uh, getting a player to the major league. I think two, two things there. Firstly, we will at some point when the time is right sit down and have that exact conversation. So that conversation hasn't happened yet, and I think it, it varies from, from player to player as well as the – depending on the situation. But in terms of performance, we look at everything or, or most things relative to a, a player's competition and, and a player's 
level. So it'll be more more than performance. It'll be about things like a player's swing decisions, um, his ability to do damage when, when he does make contact, and his ability to make contact in general, right, his end-zone whip rates, things of, of that nature. So we try to stay more process-oriented than, than result-oriented um, when it comes to, to development. Jared, when you look at the past draft, there's an undeniable emphasis on pitching infrastructure, pitching prospects. And I just wondered if you are in the midst of that and you're in those meetings. And I just I, I want to hear you articulate what makes the Cubs so confident in their pitching infrastructure and ability to develop those arms to the point where it seems as if they are leaning more into drafting pitchers developing pitchers because maybe you guys know something someone else doesn't or maybe you just feel stronger about that ability than than something else what is it about your belief in the pitching infrastructure in your organization that makes you think that all these young arms are going to be you're going to be able to develop them i think it's the people i i I really do think it's the uh the high quality intelligent creative people we have craig breslow that leads that department um, but also guys like Casey Jacobson and, and James Ogden, obviously Tommy Hadovy up in the big leagues. Uh, we just have a lot of Daniel Moscos. Uh, we just have a lot of uh, really smart people coming from different backgrounds, collaborating, putting their heads together to create a, a really strong infrastructure. And it's it's been really fun to to watch. And and I, I learn a ton spending time with with those guys uh, as well. There's always something new to learn. And and also just touching on that, a lot of it has to do with the great work done by Dan Kantrovitz and, and Louis O'Hara going out and, and scouring the earth for talent. They they really bring us some some really uh, great balls of clay, and, and it's our job to, to get the, the best out of them. So um, it's, a, it's a combination of all those things, but I, I really think it, it starts with, with the people we have in place here. Uh, Jared, uh, David and I appreciate your time very much. I'm, I'm hoping that we ask some good questions this time and that it will return to the show next time. Is there one question that we didn't ask you that we should have asked uh, before we let you go? And, and thank you again for coming on with us. And I think you guys touched on, on everything today. This was, this was great. Thank you for, for having me. I'll come back anytime. Thanks, Jared. Right, appreciate Jared, thank the time. You. Jared Banner, the Cubs' vice president in charge of player development, joining us here on Inside the Clubhouse. When we come back, Trevor Bauer, both facing different kinds of messes, but both facing very uncertain situations. We will address both of those guys when we come back. It's Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw. I go to the mall and I go to the Dior store and I want something, I get it. Um, I ask how much it costs and I buy it. So if you really want something, you just, you just go get it. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's I'm, I'm the product here. And uh, if they want my product, you know, they just got to come get it. Inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670, the score, David Hall, Bruce Levine. That was Carlos Correa, the free agent shortstop, still no team that has signed him officially. Mets are in on him after the Giants gave up on him because of the failed physical, and the Twins apparently are still in the mix. Bruce, I would be likely to take a chance on Carlos Correa at a reduced rate if I were a team that wants to win now, sooner rather than later. 
That's the one big story around baseball. The other involves Trevor Bauer, cut loose by the Dodgers. They're on the hook for $22.5 million, but Trevor Bauer, given his past, what led to his suspension for the last 190 games or so, he now can pitch again. I would steer clear of him. I would not want him as part of my organization. I don't care how good of a pitcher he is. Stay away. So I have very different opinions on these two guys whose names are big ones and whose stories are dominant across Major League Baseball this week. Well, David, I think the Correa thing is, you know, he's still worth $30 million a year, but many less years. I don't think anybody wants to uh, get near that 10, 11, 12-year situation with a guy, even though he's only 29 years old, that uh, has the, the medical community looking at these medicals, it was said, hey, this is this could be a problem in the future for you as far as getting uh, worth out of the player. So I think teams are going to be offering five, six-year deals just like the Cubs did a year ago uh, and uh, were willing to go five or six years with the guy and, and no more. You know, unfortunately for him, that's the situation. He's not going to get, I don't think, anywhere near 10 years. He might get 10 years this way, David. He right. might get 10 years by a six-year deal with options for three or four more years as it goes along. Bruce, you suggested that last offseason about the Cubs talking to him about this kind of a structured deal so you wouldn't be on the hook so much for the for the long term, maybe related to the injury, but I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, especially the back. Now with Bauer, <clears throat> we don't know how good he is now that there's not tact. He, he got the most out of tact on baseballs. Uh, of anybody his spin rate was the highest among any pitcher in baseball now that that's not there the question might not be philosophically uh, can we have this guy in the organization it might be hey he might not be that good anymore uh, it, it, two it, years down the line it would not matter to me it would not matter no, to I me understand. i understand I, and i know and i'm not suggesting you are but like I, there's got to be a point in time where as an organization you you put your foot down and you you say, we are not going to bring somebody like that into our organization. I don't care how good his spin rate is. I don't care how different of a pitcher he is or isn't. Or we're going to draw the line. It's a public tr- – baseball is a public trust owned by individuals. Okay, we, we know that. Public trust means that if this guy walks into a ballpark and women's groups are picketing all the time, not only women's groups, just groups in general, you know, who – uh, you know, look at the the violence involved in this uh, quote unquote consensual uh, relationship between the, the player and the the person that was injured. Um, it, it's it's one of those where you just say it's just not worth it, right, David? It's it's just not going to be worth it. I, I think you're exactly right, Bruce, and I understand that you can point out examples of every team in Chicago that has made. concession that has maybe winked and nodded their way to signing somebody trading for somebody the Cubs may not have a World Series victory had they not acquired Araldus Chapman and I you had to hold your nose through that introductory press conference and sometimes it was cringeworthy when he was on the mound but you know what they did that they justified that they rationalized that I just think that every case is different and this case with Trevor Bauer is is a bridge too far. I just would not make that concession, and I don't care how good of a pitcher he is. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I, I just don't think teams will do that. That said, um, uh, it it's hard to defend, you know, but the, 
I guess the guy still has a right to go out there and make a living. And if there's somebody out there that wants to sign him, you know, good good for them. But I, I don't think that's going to happen. Well, let's lighten things up, Bruce, because you know what? That just got heavy real fast. And we want to get back to baseball talk, Chicago baseball talk. And I liked what I heard from the new White Sox manager this week, Pedro Grafal. But I don't know. Did he go a little far in establishing who he's going to be? We're going to play a little chin music next. And we'll find out what you think. 312-644-6767. Until 11 o'clock, we're talking baseball right here and inside the clubhouse. Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.